morning. In the book of Ephesians, the author is the Apostle Paul. And one of the things that's great about Paul is he's such a high form of author that when you look at his particular style of writing, it stands out compared to people like James or Peter, for example. He was well-educated, and the way that he wrote is on a, a different level than just someone who's inspired by the Holy Spirit. He writes in a particular pattern. And I'm a person that loves to connect dots and to see different layers of things. And so when you read the scriptures, one thing to kind of keep you focused and to keep you kind of honest when it comes to what you're picking up from the author's material is to see if you can spot patterns. So patterns are repeated things or phrases or words or images that the author is trying to use to lead you through like a, a bread trail crumb, a breadcrumb trail rather, of a, a path that he wants you to walk down. So the author of Hebrews, for example, uses this consistently through the entirety of the book. He just picks up different themes and uh, blood and sacrifices and the images and the ark, for example. But in Ephesians, the point is not really to lead you down this trail to kind of a, a high experience or to understand a complex theme. What he's really trying to do here is let the Ephesian congregation see what he sees. That's the beautiful thing about the book of Ephesians. And so what I want to do is read a couple of passages with you this morning that all have this particular phrase in them. And this phrase is called the heavenly places. And if you just see it once, you wouldn't really think a whole lot of it. But when you see it twice and three and four times throughout the entirety of the book of Ephesians, what Paul is trying to do is to let you leave your seat in Ephesus and leave that location and to see things from a higher plane. He wants you to see things from God's perspective. And so often that, that opening up of our mind to be able to see things not from our little world, from our eyeballs and our brain, but to kind of expand our vision to get a broader context for what the world looks like from God's seat and to be able to see who we are in Christ from his perspective is helpful for clarification. So let's begin our conversation this morning looking into the book of Ephesians. We'll go into chapter 1 and begin with verse 1. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God... To the saints who are in Ephesus and faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. It's a very common Pauline opening to a letter, right? That's the way Paul writes. But verse 3, almost immediately, he leaves that common Pauline greeting and goes into something different. Blessed be, verse 3, the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us, blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And then verse 4, for some context, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. You get all that? 
pretty quick, right? The point is this. Paul begins in a very common way that he would commonly open his epistles or his letters. And then immediately just takes us to the throne room of God by praising the Father for what he has done. So he's leaving the people that are reading this in Ephesus. He says, leave your spot there. Let's go to heaven together. Isn't that great? (laughs) Did you miss that? It's almost like he couldn't contain himself in talking about, okay, I'm glad you all are doing well and I'm hearing some great things and I'm praying for you. No, forget all that. We're leaving where you are. We're going to the throne room of God and thanking him and praising him for allowing us to be known the way that we are known. So we are here to praise God this morning. Isn't that right? That's why I showed up anyway. (laughs) I don't know why you're here, but hopefully the same reason, right? So Paul is doing here. He's saying, listen, congregation in Ephesus, great that you guys are reading this. Let's go see God together. So we we are doing this morning. We're leaving our world behind. We're leaving our thoughts and our hearts and our intentions of what's filling our world right now. We're just setting it aside for one hour that we can all just leave our seats and go to God together. So again, verse 3. Here's the pattern that we are establishing, that Paul really established for us. Blessed, or thanks, be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. So again, we're talking about praising the Father, praising Christ, because in him, Christ, we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Now to contrast the idea of a spiritual blessing, I suppose the other end of that, the other side of the coin, would be physical blessings. Now we understand quite clearly what those are, right? We have our health and we have our wealth, I suppose, (laughs) are two things that happen to rhyme, right? We know when we're not feeling well, we know when we're monetarily blessed, we have nice things that God provides for us, like meals and homes and I don't know, I don't know, pets, uh, whatever you appreciate in life, right? The idea of a physical blessing is a blessing given by God to help us in this world. Now, in contrast to that, a spiritual blessing is a little bit more intangible to me. Now, I don't live in a spiritual world per se. I live in a physical world. Hopefully you do as well. If you know the secret or the back door to the spirit world, let me know. The idea of a spiritual blessing is a bit more hard to pin down. But I do know from this particular passage that our spiritual blessings in the heavenly places are accessed in Christ. So I suppose when you are in Christ, praise or thanks is due to our Father because we have access to the spiritual blessings in those heavenly places. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 45, in contrast to those spiritual versus physical blessings, Christ had this to say, Matthew 5, 45. God makes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the just and the unjust. The idea there is if you are living in a physical world, we all experience those physical phenomenons around us. The idea of the sun rising and setting, the rain falling on people who 
are not judged by their moral character, but just live in a physical world. Again, in contrast to that, we have Paul breaking away from Ephesus and saying, let's thank God together because in Christ we have all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places. So the source of those blessings seems to come from the work and the grace of Christ. So let's pause there for a moment and leave the spiritual blessings where they apparently live in the heavenly places. And let's jump forward here, same chapter, dropping down to verse 20. Verse 20. It's hard to read Ephesians and preach a sermon of a textual nature because it's really one long run-on sentence. <laughs> you kind of have to hop right into a middle of a thought and extract what you can. So here is verse 20. A whole lot of context here, and it pains me to do it, but here's just verse 20. That he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places. So the same theme from verse 3. Pausing where you were, leaving to go with him to the throne room of God to praise him for being in Christ, where all our spiritual blessings are in those heavenly places, it seems that in that heavenly place we also have the resurrected Christ. Verse 21, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age but also in the one to come. Verse 22, and he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So again, you can kind of see it's so tough for me to just jump right in the middle of it because again we're just praising God leaving our place in Ephesus or here in Thomaston Road and going to the throne room and seeing what's there in the heavenly realm all spiritual blessings that are in Christ first and foremost and then our resurrected Christ or Savior is also there talks about the heavenlies or the heavenly places and the ascension of Jesus that occupies that place at the right hand of God is our Lord. This is reflected. We are in the book of Mark on Sunday mornings. If you go to Mark chapter 16, it's kind of a spoiler alert if you don't know the ending of Mark. So while we're going through it, just forget you know this verse exists when we study it together verse by verse. Mark 16 verse 19. Mark writes this, So then the Lord Jesus, after he had spoken to them, was taken up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. The same guy we've talked about going from town to town, village to village, healing people, preaching the message, yelling at folks for not selling all their possessions and giving to the poor like this morning, the same guy ascended up to the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places. And this is really not just important for our theology to understand who Jesus truly is and what he overcame when he came out of that tomb and then ascended to be our advocate at the right hand of our judge, the Father, in the heavenly places, but also it's important because it's a precursor to what will happen to us. Have you ever wondered... When your time on this earth is done, what's going to happen? 
how you're going to go, who's going to be with you, who's going to be around you. And then you draw your last breath. And then what? <laughs> I think about that maybe more than I should, not being macabre or, or depressing about it, just saying, you know, I've talked about this stuff for quite a while now. I want to see what it, it looks like. I want to feel what it feels like to cross over from this physical world and then apparently be in a spiritual one. And this guy I've talked about for all these decades now, Jesus, what's he going to look like? And all these people that I've talked about for all these years now, are they going to be there? And then God, who I've tried to express in my own mind and through feeble words who this God is, he's going to be there too. Well, in the heavenly places that Paul wants to take the Ephesians, that realm that he wants to paint a picture of, these heavenly places he's describing where certain things are there, he's trying to give us that image. And so over in the book of 1 John, John does the same thing. 1 John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. It's interesting to me that the Holy Spirit that inspired these men, they couldn't help but praise God with what they saw. So here's John, 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. John writes, See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God, and so we are. It's almost like he's saying, I can't believe that we get this kind of love from our Heavenly Father. The reason why the world does not know us is because it did not know Him. Verse 2, Beloved, we are God's children now. And then here's that little clue, this thing that we can't quite pin down yet. And what we will be has not yet appeared. We're not there yet. But we know that when he appears, we will be like him because we shall see him as he is. I mean, if, if I ever teach the book of the gospel account of John or first or second or third John, I always remark on how strange John's writings are. It's because sometimes if you're talking to a person who's got a couple more years on you, they see things from a different perspective, don't they? Talking to my grandmother, I'll tell you, she's seen a lot. Grew up in Heiko, West Virginia during the Great Depression. She's seen some stuff, I'll tell you. And she'll tell you too, if you listen to her. But the way that you see something when you've lived a while, you've experienced things that's hard to describe or to explain, is how John writes. You have Matthew, Mark, and Luke, the synoptic gospels. They all see things the same way, literally. And then you have John, way out in left field, because he starts with the creation of existence, right? And then he explains who Jesus is, but not the same way as Matthew, Mark, and Luke. Same the stories are the same, but the meaning's entirely different. That's what I'm trying to get at here at the very end of 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. 
He's saying, you know, when we see Jesus, a guy who's walked with Jesus, when we see him, we'll see him as he truly is. And so when Paul, for example, in Ephesians, has this super long run-on sentence, and he has to break two or three times to just pause and praise God for what he knows about the spiritual realm, he says, okay, Ephesians, just stay right there. We're going to go see God. Do you know what's there in that heavenly realm, in those heavenly places waiting for you? All spiritual blessings in Christ and the resurrected Christ who has a better name than anything else in the world, than all things are under his feet or under his dominion or rule or authority. Christ is there too. We keep reading. We go to Ephesians chapter 3. Let's turn there together. I'd love to give you a full context, but to do that, we have to do the entire chapter. Thanks, Paul. Let's just start verse 7. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 7. Of this good news, or of this gospel, I was made a minister or servant according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, though I am very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. Unsearchable riches of Christ that we're trying to describe in human words, right? Doing a great job. Verse 9, And to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things. Then verse 10, So that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities. Where? In the heavenly places. Okay. Now, if something happens in Scripture once, it's just there. Happens twice, it might be a coincidence. Now we've got three times the same author in the same book, chapter 1, really at the end of chapter 1, beginning of chapter 2, and now in chapter 3, he keeps bringing the readers back to the heavenly places, the spiritual realm, describing what is there all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. Number one, the resurrected Lord at the right hand of the Father. Number two, and now we've got this phraseology, principalities and powers, New King James, or rulers and authorities, ESV. Now, we're not talking about kings and queens or presidents or senators or cabinet members, or congressmen. That's not the kind of government we're talking about because the location of this government is in the heavenly places. Now, there's a whole lot of information about what we don't know about this realm. And that's one of those things. We have some hints, some clues. And as I say, we get to peek behind the curtain to the spiritual realm just a little bit, but the details there are fuzzy at best, I'd say. If we go all the way to Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10, 
something similar is, is mentioned here. Let's get that for the idea. Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. I love that, the wiles. So a guy named Wiley Cody, remember him? First name wasn't Wiley, it was just a description of how he acted. Okay, anyway, verse 12. Because, or for, we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of this darkness of this age, against every spiritual host of wickedness, where? Obviously in heavenly places. What else would Paul talk about, right? There's the theme. Now this phrase, principality and powers, talks about some sort of government structure, some kind of ranking system, some kind of concept of them being under the authority of God, but also having authority over each other in some way. What we're really talking about is angels here. All right, I'll just kind of tell you what it is. Talking about angelic messengers, spiritual beings, the hosts of heaven, those people before there were people here, they were there, right? Those guys. And so what Paul is doing here is saying, hey, leave your spot there, let's go to heaven. Together, you have all spiritual blessings in Christ. They're there. All spiritual blessings. Not physical, spiritual blessings. What else do you have there? The resurrected Lord, the one that taught us the good news, who gave us the way of salvation. Also, you have this whole bunch of governmental structure, spiritual beings at that location. That's what's there. Let's go over to 1 Peter chapter 1 together. 1 Peter chapter 1, beginning in verse 9. All right, Dave says I have six minutes to wrap this up. All right, verse 9. Receiving the end of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Verse 10, of this salvation the prophets have inquired and searched carefully who prophesied of the grace that would come to you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ who is in them was indicating when he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Kind of summarize that real quick. All those Old Testament prophecies that we use to prove that Jesus was the Messiah, explain to people today what we learn from Scripture about how to get to heaven, those folks that wrote that don't know what we know. They were curious, though, because they, through the Holy Spirit, were writing those prophecies and trying to deduce what in the world was coming. What was coming was the Messiah. And we have four different accounts about his life and his actions, right? And the rest of the book talks about what the followers of Jesus did. But those folks that wrote that back in the Hebrew Bible, they sure were curious. Verse 12, to them it was revealed that not to themselves, but to us, they were ministering or serving the things which have now been reported to you through those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit. So again, he's saying, they didn't get to understand who Jesus was or what they had to do to get to heaven. They were leaving you a trail to follow to figure out what God's plan of salvation was. And they sure would love to know what you get to know, is what he's saying here. 
And then interestingly, towards the very end, preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven things which angels desire to look into. Angels don't know it all either, it seems. They were interested to figure out what God was going to do to save creation, to save mankind from our sins. They were curious. It's also expressed in the spiritual realm that angels are engaged in some kind of combat or warfare. If we go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10 quickly, beginning in verse 3, Paul writes, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh, because the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but mighty before God, to the casting down of strongholds, casting down imaginations, and every high thing that is exalted against the knowledge of God, and bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ." So now twice Paul has talked about the idea of fighting a spiritual war against these spiritual beings who are opposed to the good news of Christ. Real quickly, we'll go to 2 Kings chapter 6. I'd love to stay here for a long time, but Dave says I can't. So 2 Kings. (laughs) I need someone to keep me accountable, so Dave's the guy. Okay, 2 Kings chapter 6. Quickly, in this context, we have Elisha, the guy who followed Elijah. I know it's not confusing at all because their names almost sound exactly the same. Elijah first, Elisha second, right? And you have a foreign army, again, 2 Kings chapter 6. We have Elisha and a foreign army is encamped around the city where him and all the other prophets of God are. And he's not freaking out as I'm sure I would have been. And one of the servants of Elisha is freaking out, as I'm sure I would have been. And then Elisha is like, hey, you don't see what I see. 2 Kings chapter 6 and verse 17, Elisha prayed and said, O Lord, please open his eyes that he may see. The Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw, and behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. Why wasn't Elisha scared? Because he was able to see apparently what the spiritual realm looked like in that moment. You've got Elisha and the prophets in the city. You have the foreign army all right there waiting to take him captive or kill him. And what does Elisha see? Angelic messengers, beings on fire in the spiritual realm there to protect him. So, Paul takes us from where we are in this physical world and says, let's go to the heavenly places. What do we see there? All spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ. What else do you see? The resurrected Lord, the one who died for our sins and then ascended to be our advocate to the Father. What else do you see? A whole host of principalities and powers that are interested into the things that you're learning about the gospel of Jesus Christ. What else is there? Well, Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. The wrap-up for this morning. Ephesians chapter 2, beginning in verse 5. Paul writes this. Even when we were dead in trespasses, He made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. 
and raised us up together and made us sit together. Can you guess where? In the heavenly places in Christ. You know what's in the heavenly places? All spiritual blessings. What else is there? The resurrected Lord. What else is there? A ton of principalities and powers of a spiritual nature that are curious about what you're going to be up to with the good news in your life. What else? Apparently we're there too. Did you know that? Sure, we live here. We have homes here. We have pets here. We have jobs here. We have friends here. Great. But where are we really? We're not of this world. We're up there with him. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12, let's turn there together quickly. Colossians 2 and verse 12. Paul writes, Having been buried with him in baptism, wherein you are also raised with him through faith in the working of God who raised him from the dead. How do you get to that heavenly seat? You're raised with Christ. We typify what he went through, the death, the burial, the resurrection, and even maybe the ascension, the spiritual sense, by being baptized into Christ. Colossians chapter 3 and verse 1, If you were then raised together with Christ, which we were, seek the things that are above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Paul would also call that, by the way, the heavenly places. If you are resurrected to walk in newness of life, you belong up there with him. Verse 2, set your minds on things that are above the heavenly places, not on the things upon the earth. And then Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20, to wrap this whole thing up. Paul is consistent. I'll give him that. It's almost like he knew what he was doing when he wrote these books. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20. Paul, where do you belong? Well, I'm a citizen of Rome. I'm a resident in this city. Don't really have a home. Travel around. Paul, where's your home? Philippians 3.20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Where do you belong, Paul? I belong in the heavenly places where I've got all spiritual blessings in Christ where my resurrected Lord is, where all the spiritual beings that have been fighting for us in that world exist. And finally, where my home is in that heavenly place. This morning, the gospel is open and offered unto you. If you've not yet obeyed the good news of Jesus Christ by putting him on in baptism, by being raised from that water to walk in newness of life, what are you waiting for? If you are a citizen of that kingdom, if you know the truth about that heavenly place, the spiritual realm, our forever home, if you will, and yet you've decided to walk and go back in darkness, live in this world, become a part of it, why not lay that aside this very morning by responding to the invitation, confessing that sin, and you will be forgiven by the blood of Jesus Christ. If we can help you at all this morning, respond by coming forward as we stand and we sing.